Dexter, mind the store. But I can't work the register. Well, do what I do. Pocket it. <laughs> I'm getting me some nooner. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, like lunch. You want me to bring you back some? <laughs> Al, Nuna is when you have sex in the middle of the day. <laughs> you just agreed to make love to your wife. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. Hi, this is Luigi, and we are once again back in the Nudie Bar. Today I got breath mints for my co-hosts and wild turkey for me. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> and welcome to New York City, where every street is like Jeopardy Lane. So we're here today, reviewing Nooner or Later, Season 8, Episode 21, Original Air Date, April 10th, 1994. Al shows his temp Dexter around the shoe store, while Bud and Kelly queue outside for a rock concert, and Peggy, aiming to win a trip to Tahiti, tries to get Al to make a fool of himself over the radio. Director Jerry Cohen. Writer Nancy Neufeld. Special guest stars. Chai McBride as Dexter. Christopher Douglas as Kevin. Fergie, also known as Stacy Ferguson, plays Anne. Peter Steinfeld as Pete. Helen Siff as Leona. Helen Faraday as Frida. Kelly Goodman as Barbara, Steve Graham as BBR fan, and Nicole Nagorski as Penelope. After years of struggling... Well, get the tranquilizer gun. I'm afraid we're going to have to tag and release this one. A radio contest could put Al on easy street. $10,000 and a trip to Tahiti just for having sex with Peg. Yeah. Well, this is a toughie. Married with children. I'm going to stop at the drugstore and get some marital aids. I got breakfast for you and wild turkey for me. Then George meets a washed-up 60s rocker. My place is like a cardboard box compared to this. Where you living? In a cardboard box. The George Carlin Show, after Married with Children. All new episodes, Sunday, starting at 9, 8 central. So I'm very happy to introduce a special guest co-host today, Carolyn. Hello. Carolyn, you've been a member of Patreon for quite some time and a uh, dedicated fan on our Facebook page. So we're very happy to have you here with us today at the Nudie Bar. Thanks. Uh, so, tell, so tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, how you got into Married with Children. Okay, well, probably the first thing you should know is that I shouldn't be into Married with Children. I'm, a, I'm, much, I'm much more Marcy-like in real life. I'm um, educated, went to college, go to plays, go to concerts, like classical music. However, that said, I am from the Bronx, so I have that certain uh, twisted, you know, there's always a bit of twisted uh, humor there. And I was one of those little girls who always liked the Bugs Bunny cartoons over the Mickey Mouse cartoons. I thought Mickey was, was too sweet and too saccharine and too, too white bread. 
So I've always liked the more urban, sharper humor, like the Marx Brothers, that sort of thing. And um, I went to uh, high school, this is how nerdy I was. I went to Bronx Science and I worked in the library as my, you know, as my uh, part-time assignment. And as a big treat at the end of the year, they would take us, this is the early 80s, they would take us out to a Broadway show. Now we were in the cheapest seats, the cheapest you could get. And uh, there were, we had three choices. We had Othello with James Earl Jones. We had Sweeney Todd, which was then with uh, Dorothy Loudon and um, George Hearn. And there was a little thing with the Marx Brothers called A Day in Hollywood, A Night in the Ukraine, which had been nominated for a Tony, it lost. And the guy who played uh, Groucho was a guy named David Garrison, who had also been nominated in his first major role for a Tony. He lost too. So I voted for that, because I love the Marx Brothers. We got outvoted. I saw, we saw Sweeney Todd way up in the rafters of the giant Euros Theater where Wicked is now. And it was really, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it for a usual 13 year old, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> and so my next encounter with it was in the old days before the internet, you could buy something called TV Guide. <laughs> and it was an actual magazine. And in 89, my subscription comes in. At this point, I, I graduated from college. I was living in Boston. I was in my 20s, working downtown, working downtown for the government. And uh, it comes in and there's a picture of, it was a famous one with the Bundy family on the, on the cover that says, does my children go too far and will it, will it give in to cr its critics? It's like, hmm, that's weird. I heard about the show, you know, in, in the zeitgeist. It was it was very infamous and infamous, but I hadn't really watched it because I was like, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I get enough of these guys in my real life. Do I really need to watch one on screen too? I read the article, and I read it about Terry McAlter and her boycott, and I said, hmm, this sounds like the kind of thing that is worth checking out. And so next time the Simpsons Simpsons was on, I didn't change the channel or go and do something which you which you did back then. Remember, no internet, nothing like that. And the first one I remember seeing new was Dead Men Don't Do Aerobics from 1989, <laughs> season four. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good ep great episode. It was, it was. And I was hooked. I was hooked. A couple more episodes and I was totally, I was hooked right away. And uh, there was a time, that was a season I think when the lineup was The Simpsons, The Critic, and then Married with Children. And it was, it was like an awesome time. So I loved it. all three of those things are very different, very different items. And I ended up loving them all. And of course, this was also the last Steve season. So at this point, the Fox station in Boston was running MWC in syndication at 6 and 6.30 every night. And so I set my VCR. If you don't know what that is, I can't, you know, I can't help you at this point. <laughs> I set my VCR, used one tape that I'd record over it. I'd record like over and over it every day. And I'd watch them. And I really became a Steve fan because he, remi he reminded me of... Uh, my school had a cross registration at MIT, so I took a few classes there. And my girlfriends and I would go to frat parties. By the way, Harvard does not have frats. MIT does, because they don't have enough housing for the boys. So, <laughs> so I was very familiar with frats. And Steve reminded me of so many nerdy, clever, warm-hearted guys that I knew from MIT. And from high school, too. Buying Science was full of them, too. And so I started, became a fan, and... Um, my government job was going okay, but I was pretty much, I was one of those people who could pretty much finish everything by noon, so I would start going around on the, on what passed for the internet back then. <laughs> it's very hard to describe if you weren't there, but it was very, uh... Yeah. Are you referring to the Arapanet? 
The Arapnet, yes, exactly. In 1990, I found two groups in Usenet, which was the early, which is the earliest discussion groups, which came directly out of ARPANET and started in the late 70s. From around 1990, I found alt.tv.mwc. The, the alt was the hierarchy that was mostly used for pop culture, that did not fit into recreation. I also was a big theater fan, so I also hung out a lot in rec.arts.musicals. And uh, even, though there was, even though there were no pictures, no way to communicate other than text, in a way it made us better communicators, I think. Because we had to, you had to think carefully about what you were saying. You had to, uh, and once it was typed, there was no editing, uh, no deletion, no total deletion. You could delete it, but it would show, but if you did it like 24 hours, more than 24 hours later, it would show up and it would stay in Google's, well, later Google. Initially it was Deja News server and then Google service. So it's pro- everything is probably still out there somewhere. So th- that that's that's where I met. And, uh, and MWC, I was surprised to learn, had a very international fan base. I thought it was very American. You know, certainly Al's uh, regard for different cultures was pretty non-existent. <laughs> and, it, and aside from the England show, it certainly never traveled anywhere. It was not one of those shows that, you know, the Mondays go to Hawaii, the Mondays go to France, the Mondays go to, no. The Mondays went, no, Mondays went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, you know, I think they have an international fan base except for France. <laughs> oh, that would make sense, yes. <laughs> I would love to talk to somebody from France who likes married with children. That'd be fun right there. Like, I want to talk um, to that person. <laughs> I mean, we, we know it's very popular in Germany, uh, very popular in Australia in particular. Yes, yes. Obviously, uh, with our uh, co-host Annabelle, but I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever encountered a French person who liked the show. <laughs> no, no. The, the, the closest I got was, um, yeah, exactly. In, in that group is where I met Annabelle from Australia, um, Alex from Belgium, who knows French but does not, but speaks Dutch. Um, some American fans like Jeff and Tom Breton, who I've lost touch with, but we were very, you know, you really could build a good relationship over those networks, even with just text. And Alex's friend, Rude, who is from the Netherlands itself, and Andreas, who's a friend from Switzerland. And actually, they, they, all, come into, they all come into play in my later story, too, because uh, the episode I'll See You in Court, as you all recall, was never shown in the US until much, much later. It was totally, it was just dropped, like it didn't exist. And back then, of course, I don't know if YouTube was around, but there was no easy way to swap video files. They were very large, computers were relatively, their memories were relatively small. So basically what you did was you would swap um, videotapes. And I still, I remember, um, Alex was very sweet. He, as soon as he heard that Americans could not see, I'll see you in court. He says, look, in Belgium, what they do is they subtitle things in Dutch but they still have the original dialogue in English. Ah. Yes, yes. If it had been, if it had been dubbed in Dutch, I really couldn't follow that. You know? I know about three words in Dutch, you know, and mostly from this tape. In 1993, he, he sent me a copy. Samizdat is old Soviet talk from the Cold War, you know, underground information that you shouldn't have. Uh-huh. It was kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of a cool, sexy word that we used to use back then. Wow. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he sent me a Dutch in 93, and of course, it was in PAL format, so I had to go to a store and have them convert it to me. So it was an expensive proposition, but it was worth it. So now I have a Dutch subtitled videotape in my collection still about the adventures of uh, Meneer and, Mara- and Menra Rhodes, as they were called on the tape. And it was this, sh- and that, that's, that's the sort of connections that you can make in the fandom, which I really appreciate it. 
That is so cool. I just got, I just got to say mm -hmm. that. So, Nate, so you saw the, I'll see you in the court. You saw that yes. roughly 10 years before any other American did. <laughs> That's I think amazing. so. Because uh, that, that, that episode aired, what, around 2003 or 2004 or something like that? It was actually, it was uh, June, I'm going to say 15th, 2002. Yeah, so you I remember. Wow. I remember the day. I remember the day. I remember what I was doing, and I was in front of the TV. It was on. Um, it wasn't even on Fox. It was on um, FX. I think it was FX. Yeah. I'm going to say. Oh right, yeah. yeah. So you saw that. You saw that nine years or so before 99.9% percent of Americans. That's you. I bet you. You probably saw that episode before Ed O'Neill and Katie Segal and Christina Applegate and them did. <laughs> I, all, I think it's a. I think there's a good chance, yes, because that was, that was before celebrities got involved in their fan bases as much on a personal level. There was no Twitter. So, you know, unless they came to... Now, a couple of people did end up in alt, in alt TV, MWC, including Ed Bell, who okay. played Bob Rooney, right, who was right. uh, very active for a while. But he would have known to ask Alex for it. But no one else. You're right. I probably saw it way before anyone else. That is so <laughs> cool. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. It was... Hey, it was uh, it's a, oh, I was just... Say sorry, I, I had a little story for you. It's funny what you said sure. about the VCR and, and not knowing what VCR whatever is. Of course, I know what one is, and I recently got one just about a week ago because wow. one of my, uh, somebody in my neighborhood was giving it away, and I have a bunch of old VHS tapes and no way to play them. Uh, so, anyways, I got this VCR for free, got it home, and popped a tape in, and it ate up the tape. <laughs> But, oh, no. uh, so I think it just needs to be cleaned is all, but it, it seems to work other than that, but I just need to take it off and clean it. But hey, I, I wanted to ask you, you you've mentioned, uh, you know, David Garrison a lot that you, you recently saw him very recently, right? In a theater production, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Very recently. Yes. First time I saw him was my friend and I went out to see him in, as a devil in Randy Newman's Faust in at the Goodman Theater in, in uh, Chicago in 1996. Last time I saw him, most recent, I should say, is uh, in The Great Society on Broadway in September last year, 2019. Okay. And the, the play was not that good, but he was, as usual, he was excellent in it. That's cool. Yes. Carolyn, your story is bringing back tons of memories for me of, you know, from that time period. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'll tell you about David Garrison, and I was thinking about this as you were talking, I think when... I saw Married with Children at its premiere back in 1987. Mind you, I was nine years old. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm a very sick and twisted boy from Queens, right? So <laughs> right, across the, right across the sound from you. Uh -huh. What was interesting was when I first saw it, I remember David Garrison was the only ac actor I recognized because he was on that TV show, It's Your Move. Yes. Uh, which had been on a couple of years before. You know, and I'd watched it because of Jason Bateman. But I remembered, and I remember it didn't last very long either, but I do remember watching that, and he was the one actor who I remembered. Uh, other little tidbit is that he and I actually share the same birthday. Oh, June 30th, right? That's right, that's right. So, 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 so does my brother, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go, so we're in, we're in good company. Yes. <laughs> so, Carolyn, I gotta ask, since we're talking about David Garrison so much, are you Team Steve or Team Jefferson? I think Jefferson was good in the show as it became later, in the later seasons. I think he uh -huh. fit in very well. Mm -hmm. But I think for acting and for story, I got to go with Steve. As the show started out, you know, the battle between the sexes, the economic, you know, what we now call economic anxiety and such. And Steve as a yuppie was opposed to all that. And the gradual 
I don't know, coarsening of him by Al. I thought that I thought that was really funny. Yeah. But Steven, no ma'am and stuff, I can't see him in that. So 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 over, overall Steve, yes, but I think Jefferson did fine for you know, I, I think he fit in very well with the show in the later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. One of the observation that I'll make is that usually in television shows, when you look at television shows from the 80s and 70s, it's like you would always have the main characters trying to be good people and take someone who was a quote unquote bad person, person with bad habits and try to make them better, like try to teach them something. Married with Children actually took the opposite approach. Because I mean, if you look at the, at the Steve character, like episode one, it's like all Al's trying to do is bring him down to his level and continually do that as the season, as the episodes and the seasons go by. So a real juxtaposition in terms of, of characters. And you need that dark sense of humor. I mean, I think it's that dark comedy humor to really appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And and uh, and I like the um, and all the actors are so versatile. David is one of those guys. I've seen him as Marvolio in Shakespeare. I've seen him in in Titanic. I do a whole podcast just on my Titanic stories. But I will I will tell you that the, the one that I posted with an all w all tv dot I mean, WC was I went with a English guy named Stuart. He was coming to New York and I got a couple tickets. And he, he slid into a seat right before the overture began. Said, "Hello, I'm here. I'm sorry, I got, I got caught in the Long Island Railroad." And uh, it was like, and we, we got to have a nice little chat with David after the show. He was very, very polite, very interested in uh, learning and what we thought of the show and stuff. So it was just terrific. That is so cool. That's so neat. It's always mm-hmm. neat to meet celebrities. I've uh, I've met a pretty good host of celebrities myself. I'm a flight attendant, by the way, so I, oh. I meet people usually in random meetings, <laughs> you know, on the plane or at the airport or something. And, you know, some celebrities are nice, some are snobs, you know, so you never know until you actually meet them. But I haven't met anybody prominent from Married with Children, fortunately, yet. So that's kind of cool. I uh, I had actually planned on going to a festival uh, this year where Amanda Burse and uh, Ted McGinley were going to be at. Unfortunately, it got canceled, of course. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, due, just due to the coronavirus, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. that's that's so cool that you've met him on multiple occasions. I have. Often I time my trips to uh, the Berkshires and such to uh, catch him in a play if he's up there. He likes to work in the Berkshires in the summer and then in New York in the uh, fall and winter. But not just him, though. I just saw a sweet charity with Christina Applegate three times. And once with Andreas from Switzerland. That's cool. Yes, That's we, cool. we did not. We did not get to meet her afterwards. It was too. It was too big a mob, and it was too much security. But, yeah. <laughs> but she was absolutely wonderful. Very, very funny. Excellent. You know the excellent timing, the excellent subtlety. She sometimes showed us. Kelly was all up there. The vulnerability, the toughness, all mixed together, and amazing dancer. I, I had, had plans to try to go to her Hollywood Walk of Fame at Shrine, but, uh, but of course that's not happening this year either due to Corona. <laughs> so, I, but, uh, you know, one, one of the benefits of having free flights is the ability to just jump on the plane and fly wherever, you know, for free. I was going to try to do that, but it may happen next year. We'll see. <laughs> I know. That's why I feel so lucky to live in New York sometimes. Because last year, I'm sorry, actually it was 2018, I got to see Amanda Burse on stage in Party Face. Oh, okay. Yes, it was off-Broadway. She had directed it. It was starring Haley Mills, who's a very famous um, British actress, Oscar, Oscar winner and stuff, I believe. And uh, she filled in. and she, she had been a director. She hadn't been on stage. But in the last week, the woman who played the wacky neighbor, as it happens, although in this case, an Irish neighbor, <laughs> Amanda played her role for the last week since, she had, you know, since the lady had a conflict and had to leave early. 
And so she stepped in and she was absolutely wonderful. She was funny. I mean, very different from Marcy, a little, this, this neighbor was a bit, it was a much more deeper play than Married with Children, of course, but uh, she was wonderful. She, she had that endearing, endearing quality, the clumsiness, impeccable accent. I live in an Irish neighborhood, so I know she had really worked on it. Basically, whenever I get to see one of these guys, it's a new project, I'm there. You know, I watch, I watch Ed and Modern Family, I watch Christina and, you know, Dead to Me, Futurama, every, Sons of Anarchy, anything I can get. The, these guys, they, they've won my fandom for life, basically. Yeah, same way. I, it, it's kind of funny you mentioned Modern mm-hmm. Family. So I, uh, I, I watched episode one way back in 2009, I think it was. And mm-hmm. I have to admit, the first episode, I, I wasn't really hooked. And, and usually if you don't hook me by episode one or two, I turn it off and just watch something else. But I love Ed O'Neill so much that I forced myself to watch. I think it was, I think it was about the third episode is where I got hooked. And uh, I became a Modern Family fan, you know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, I watched it the whole 11 seasons that it was on. But yeah, I'm the same way. I've watched Sons of Anarchy. Um, I've tried to watch, you know, as much as I can with, with the main actors and actresses from Married with Children. So kind of the same thing as you. Exactly. Um, one more quick uh, story that I have, because it involves Alex and Rude. So on March 21st, 1997, the uh, next to last episode was taped. I think it was a desperate half hour with uh, Trisha Cast, who was also in It's Your Move. So, you know, full circle. Love it and more. They like people. They work with them forever. It's great. And my brother lived out in Burbank, so I went out there to visit him. It was his birth. It, his birthday was March 17th anyway, so I went out. And Alex and Rude were on a cross-country tip, and we all timed to converge on California that, that Friday night. And Alex, we met up, we went to the beach, we had a couple of meals, and we were so psyched. And then about five hours before, I get a call from Alec, and he is very upset. And he's probably saying all kinds of things in Dutch that I can't understand, but <laughs> he probably said that before he called me. That was the only closed taping that Married with Children ever had, to our knowledge. They decided not to have an audience for that one. And I really can't figure out why, because looking at it now, there doesn't seem to be anything in particular that would, you know, there were no, no special effects, no wild settings, no, nothing that I could figure out. And I heard through the grapevine that Amanda Burr's, she, she was not directing it. Maybe if she had, she would have opened it up, but something about it, they made it close it. And so I had flown, I had flown 3,000 miles and Alex and Rude had flown like 7,000 miles. I think it was the worst example of the Bundy curse ever in the history of mankind. Wow. wow. Did you ever get to see any other tapings, Carolyn? No, no. I, I live in New York. I'm not out there very often. And I usually went out there in the summer when they weren't taping. They only taped one show after that, and then that was the end of it, the end of the whole show. And, and which which episode was this now? The, uh, i got to uh, put that in my notes to, to, sure. to rewatch the, the, that. The, the Desperate Half Hour. Desperate Half Hour. I, I would have watched yeah. that now. Yeah, technically, the desperate half hour. Um, actually, how how to how to marry desperate half hour, and there was how to marry a moron, right? With that two parter, exactly. Uh, the Chicago Chicago Shoe Exchange was actually taped earlier, but it was the last one broadcast before I'll see you in court. Wow. Yeah, that's the yeah. There's um, if you look online, you could find the info like in terms of the uh, production order versus the airing order. Mm-hmm. Which is a little different. Actually, for this episode that we're reviewing today, interestingly, everything was broadcast in order up until about episode 20, which was the Darcy Files. 
So Nooner or Later was the 22nd episode to air, followed by Ride Scare, which was the 25th. Then The Legend of Ironhead Haynes was episode 21. For some reason or other, the powers that be for season eight, when you got to the end, jumbled up the order. And that's very common in television, but there's a couple of like inconsistencies. For example, Aaron's last appearance on Married with Children was The Legend of Ironhead Haynes. But technically that was shot before this episode that we're going to review today, which is Nooner or Later, because this is when we're introduced to Dexter. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I guess one last question I have for you, Carolyn, before we get going is, so like what, like, can you name like some of your favorite episodes? I mean, you talked about Dead Man Don't Do Aerobics is probably the first one you saw, but I mean, Mm -hmm. are there other, other memorable ones that are like fives on your uh, list? Let's see. Fives, um, The Razor's Edge. Great Steve there. I'll set you in court just, just for the, just for the uh, look into the sex life. Reverend Dow, you know, you can never look at televangelists the same. (laughs) Um, I'm a Catholic girl so that whole world was like pretty funny to me to begin with (laughs) let's see Jefferson the uh, birthday boy toy is my favorite Jefferson you know the one where where has this 40th uh, midlife crisis or whatever and let's see oh there's a bunch oh the one where where the aliens steal Al socks (laughs) married with aliens married with aliens yes yes. I mean if if they're going to go silly go silly like that Go, go broad, go silly, you know, but but still keep but still keep keep it in character. Yeah, were they green before or after they stole your socks? <laughs> that's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's, that's all, a great all, episode. All, and all, all the selfies are taking, I mean, before selfies were a thing, they were taking all these selfies with Val. I loved it. <laughs> and let's see, for, for Heart, I think girls just want to have fun, parts one and two. That, 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 that's, that, those, those are two of my top, because it shows all aspects of the characters and it ends on a zinger. Yeah, that's a good episode. Uh, the the episode where or, or the podcast where Alex uh, Edwards had Amanda Burse on, they spoke about that one specifically. <laughs> yes, that was, very, that was a very good episode. Mm-hmm. But you, you can always you can always tell when people are having fun making it too. And yeah. back then, everyone was having fun. Yep. But episodes. Let's see. I'm the one where he's trying. To, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as good with titles as you guys. But the the one where he's trying to take the girl in the drive-in, and he keeps on getting beat up. Uh, uh, assault and batteries. Assault and batteries. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a good bug one. And uh, the one, the one where he takes care of himself in the library. Oh the God! Library. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a terrific bug. And I have a theory about that. I have a theory that I put out in all TV MWC when I when I saw that one. I'm like, I bet I bet instead of Marcy, that was supposed to be Steve defending him. Because why would Marcy do that? Just so she wouldn't have to think about it. Or something. I mean, it made no sense. I thought I thought I thought the Tremaine setup and everything was there for, you know, for Al, for Steve who was, who was supposed to be allegedly the dean of students to go in there and defend him, but, you know, he, he was very busy then with Titanic and stuff, so you know. So you know that that episode you just mentioned where Bud takes care of himself in, in the library. By the way, I'm 35, so I, I started watching this show when I was about five, which is way too young. Way way <laughs> that's, too that's young. Not, that, that's not so good. Yeah, yeah way <laughs> too young to be watching. But I, I didn't understand most of the adult jokes. Anyways, mm-hmm. so that episode, I remember when it aired. I remember asking my parents what what was what was the big joke, like what was going on. Oh, on no. and, and I think they told me that Bud had been like burning the books or so, like destroying the <laughs> library books or something. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a pretty good way to explain it to a ten-year-old, I guess. If you put that in the confines of the episode, I guess that would make sense. You know, you would get in trouble if you got caught destroying library books in the library. You would, yes. <laughs> Especially if it were if it were caught on tape. 
So that's that's how it was explained to me as a 10-year-old. <laughs> Carolyn, thank you so much. I mean, these are some, bringing back some great memories for us. Thank you for telling us your story. For a show that's like supposed to be low on sentiments and, you know, very uncaring and very cool and stuff, I've made a lot of trips, I've made a lot of friends, and I've had a lot of laughs. So thank you, Married with Children, and thanks to the fans. And I'm proud to be one of you. Thank you. Well, Carolyn, this is great. I mean, we really enjoyed your, your story today. I mean, obviously, if there's any other tidbits as we go along, please feel free to share it. Okay. I really think, you know, the podcast, and we really have Alex to thank for this, Alex Edwards, that is, exactly. uh, for bringing yeah. a lot of people together like us who are telling their story, sort of just reminiscing. We're doing this for fun. We get to laugh about laugh at the jokes, also learn a little bit about how we all got into the show. Thank you. And uh, away we go. Al's in the shoe store, and there are a mother and daughter sitting down, and the daughter bashes a shoe on Al's head. Does this look like pink to you? <laughs> I said pink. Pink, you bone top. <laughs> A thousand pardons, my little carbuncle. <laughs> that man, that's a great opening, and it shows just how bad Al's life is. His, he's so low that he's sitting there, and a what, eight, nine, ten-year-old girl is making fun of him and hitting him with a shoe. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love it. I have to say that I think that I think the women customers in this episode are the, with the exception of one one little old lady, are the meanest bunch that Al gets in eleven years. With this attitude, you're going to be working here for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, take a gander into the seat next to you if you want to see what your future looks like. <laughs> Penelope, let's go someplace where they treat us with respect. Uh, try the moon, you'll weigh less now. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really love his delivery. It's like, you know, um, he says, you know, try the moon, you'll weigh less there. Like the way he says it, it's like he's just like looking straight ahead. He's not even looking them in the eye. Like, you know, if you just see like his body language in, on that camera. It's like, mm -hmm. it's so dry. It's so like to the point, <laughs> you know, it's, it's his only way of fighting back. Like, in other words, he can't, you know, take a shoe and bash the girl on the head or the mom on the head. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Al, Al is very, he's very stoic this episode. He's very, this is one of the episodes where he is just like, <sighs> just, just like internal sigh for a half an hour. Now, you know, I love the, uh, the mom. She's wearing a shirt that says, uh, you know, chocolate. It's not, it's not for breakfast anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, of course, it's a, take, it's a take off in a very famous series of commercials from the Florida Orange Growers Council about orange juice. Is that Steve Cawthon giving orange juice a workout? Sure is. Orange juice takes care of my thirst every time. It isn't just for breakfast anymore. Is that Roberta Peters about to have orange juice at a dress rehearsal? Of course, it's refreshing, soothing, and it isn't just for breakfast anymore. Look for 100% pure orange juice from Florida. Orange juice with a hot dog. With anything. Orange juice from Florida. It isn't just for breakfast anymore. 
Hey, look at you. Uh, hey, Chris, it doesn't look like we have to work today. It looks like we don't have to work today, huh? <laughs> yeah, and you know, and this scene is very is is replayed prominently in season eleven, episode nine, Crimes Against Obesity, when they put Al on trial. So the actresses actually reappear on that episode. They're part of the uh, jury that goes to convict Al. And the daughter, Cole Nagorski, she also appears in the episode The Jugs Have Left the Building. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Annabelle. <laughs> cool. I don't think I made that connection before that she's in that episode. So now we get introduced to Dexter. And Dexter gets its lunch stolen by the mom on her way out. lunchbox <laughs> Mr. Bundy I'm Dexter the temp you ordered well that can't be no I wanted someone with a 44 inch chest D cup yeah that's me <laughs> have you ever sold shoes before nope you <laughs> nope Welcome aboard. Grab a seat. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm late, but there's a line around the block out there. Uh, those are for tickets for a rock group called Burn Beyond Recognition. <laughs> what kind of moron would wait in line all day for a rock group? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am so sorry that Dexter was only for one episode. I thought he and Al had an instant chemistry. I've been a Chime McBride fan since uh, Pushing Daisies, especially. Although I know he's been a lot since then, but this is one of his first. This is one of his first big roles, as far as I can tell. So, I'm surprised how, how much entrance applause he got. I don't know if they're applauding him or applauding the stealing of the lunch, but he, he got a quite nice, quite nice hand when he walked in. Yeah, I know. You know what's funny is I noticed that too, and and I was thinking about that earlier when I was taking my notes. And you know what my guess is, because I, uh, I I I've attempted tapings of different stuff not not married with children but i've attended tapings and i bet you they told the audience hey here's someone who might be al's sidekick for the rest of the series we don't know yet you know it might be a one episode thing or he might be around for a while so let's give him an applause you know i, I wonder if they prepped the audience uh because the the, the you're right the uh, the applause was pretty big for someone who at that time like as you said this was his first big role so, exactly. That's my it, thoughts, at least. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, one thing I'll say about it, you know, Dexter is my one-hit wonder. He <laughs> is the one character that I wish had appeared in, like, and I agree with you, Carolyn, I wish that he had appeared in more episodes because Chime McBride's delivery in the entire episode is hysterical. You know, sort of his body language, the faces that he makes in every single scene. Uh, like I said, I think... In some respects, I think he did a better job than Harold Sylvester did. Now, you know, Chris, you and I talked a little bit about this. So, in when we reviewed Scared Single, so in season eight, you know, my theory and Carolyn, you know, you can maybe see if this makes sense to you. The Married with Children team really went out of their way to feature an African American sidekick. Yes. So, so they started with Aaron, and the argument that I made was that Aaron was a great character, but he was too young for the character of Al Bundy for them to be best friends. So, you know, if you view then the taping order, like we discussed, the character of Aaron was sort of, his final appearance was in The Legend of Ironhead Haynes. But when you look at the uh, broadcast appearance, that came after this episode. 
So then they went to this character of Dexter, who I really think, like I said, he's my one-hit wonder. I know that you know some people are in the Steve camp or the uh, uh, Jefferson camp. I mean, then you have those on the sidekicks in terms of Luke Ventura or Griff. But for me, it's Dexter. Because I think he just did such a wonderful job. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to review this episode. I mean, he was just spot on. And, you know, I'm actually sad that he, this was his only appearance on Married with Children. But I think he would have been awesome. Now, yes. my theory, the theory as to why he wasn't, the character wasn't reintroduced was because Dexter was married. You see, when Griff came along in season nine, he was a divorced African-American. And I think that the comedy of having a divorced person on a show called Married with Children, that added another element to it. So I don't know if that's what it was, but from a character perspective, uh, having Dexter, who was like almost in a similar situation as Al, as what's revealed in the episode, doesn't bring for a lot of comedy. That that makes sense, yes. And, and his, his wife was fat as well. So... <laughs> right. <laughs> being met, I mean, helping out a fat woman all day, then being coming home to a fat woman, maybe it was a bit too much, uh, too much of the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I, with everything you said related to Aaron, Dexter, and Griff, I, uh, I've always loved Griff as my clear favorite as far as Al's uh, uh, sidekicks, but I do think Dexter was amazing. It's a shame we only got him for one episode. It would have been awesome to have him at least at least as many episodes as Aaron. I think Aaron was in what four, if I'm not mistaken. So it would have been cool to you know have you know maybe Aaron for four, Dexter for four. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was he was great, and his delivery was spot on. And you're 100 percent correct. They seem to have great chemistry just immediately. I mean, if if you were to watch this episode having never seen another episode of Married with Children, I would assume that Dexter's been on the show the last five or six seasons. You know. Mm-hmm. He goes to uh, Al when he walks in. He's like, you ever showed su- sold shoes before? Nope. You? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, like, Dexter just sits down and, like, he just sort of gets into the flow of, of things. It's like he was a natural fit. So Bud appears and tells us about Burn Beyond Recognition. <laughs> we got to get back in line, Dad. Thanks for the bathroom. Uh, son... <laughs> You and Kelly have been waiting in line for three days. Burn Beyond Recognition is the coolest band in the world. Burn Beyond Recognition. Why can't these rock groups have cool names like when we were kids? Groups like 1910 Fruit Gum Company. Yeah, that that was back in the 60s, wasn't it? We learned about that in history. (laughs) You laugh, but at least we could have sex without being wrapped in a tire. I'm sorry to bring up that sex thing, son. <laughs> What's so special about this band? Well, the lead singer's been known to vomit and urinate on the audience. <laughs> uh, pee-per-view. <laughs> yeah, and if you smile up at Dung, the lead guitarist, he'll headbutt you right in your teeth. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like the thrill of someone taking a running start and diving onto you face first. <laughs> no, actually, there is. Wife calls it courting. Married with Children's had a bunch of fantasy band names. So, Carolyn, you mentioned Andreas. If I'm not mistaken, is he the one who ran Bundiology? Yes, yes, he is. 
So, you know, courtesy of Mundiology, we, some of the fantasy bands mentioned on Married with Children were Yodeling Andy, <laughs> which was season two, episode 16. Jimmy Dick and the Nightsticks, season two, episode 18. Tears and Vomit, which was season three, episode 11. The Tuxedos, season four, episode two. Oozing Meat, season four, episode three. Shoes and Socks, season seven, episode nine. Uh, this one, Burn Beyond Recognition, and Otitis Medea, Season 9, Episode 4. Otitis Medea, really? <laughs> so Al says, you know, why can't rock groups have cool names like what we had when we were kids? Groups like 1910 Fruit Gun Company. <laughs> <laughs> if I can go in a little uh, It's Your Move connection here. The um, crazy rock group names have been a love it more staple for a long, long time. And probably the most famous episode of It's Your Move in a Short Life was called The Dregs of Humanity, Part 1 and 2. And they had four members, Grave, Bones, Tombstone, and Wolfgang. They were all skeletons sold from the biolab and operated like marionettes. They became amazingly uh, famous through one performance, and uh, David Garrison's character, Norm, actually interviewed the guys. And of, of course, of course, it was uh, it was Jason Bateman's character and his friend behind the scenes, pull, you know, pull, literally pulling the strings and making all these statements and such. But I, I, th- I definitely think Dregs of Humanity was a precursor to Burn Beyond Recognition and all the other great bands. They've, they've, always, they've always enjoyed uh, playing around with the music scene. Wow. You know, Carolyn, you would have been great on the Married with Children research team. <laughs> we, we, we may we may use you in, in these later seasons <laughs> yeah, go ahead. how much does it pay guys <laughs> huh oh a tang bottles of tang i'm in <laughs> <laughs> so the 1910 fruit gum company is an american bubblegum pop band uh which is probably where the name comes from of the 1960s their t- billboard hot 100 hits include simon says May I take a giant step? One, two, three, red light, goody, goody, gumdrops, Indian giver, special delivery, the train, and another one called yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> so, so Bud says, yeah, that was back in the 60s, wasn't it? We learned that about that in history. <laughs> Ouch. Now, wow. you see, that makes me feel, see, like, you know, now in the 90s, you would joke about that. It's like, oh, they're talking about the 60s. So here we are in 2021. <laughs> and we're talking about stuff from the 90s, which is the same amount of time that has passed. So I think that makes us feel even more older. That's right. That's right. I, I had this exact exact thing, exact thing happen to me just the other day. I was talking to one of my friend's kids, and his kid is five or six, I think. And he said, uh, he said, he calls me uncle. He goes, Uncle Christopher, you were born in the 1900s. You're really old. <laughs> so... I suppose if you're five years old, someone who's born in the 1900s would be really old, you know. So everything's about perspective. <laughs> exactly. And to give uh, one more piece of perspective here, it was 10 years. 1984 is when the Drugs of Humanity episode aired. And 1994, this episode airs. I think what he describes what Dung does, I'm, I'm too genteel to say it myself, giving body fluids to the audience. You could not say that in 1984 on network TV. So I think I think that's a little time capsule there. It shows how far the TV had come in ten years too. Yeah, especially on a show like this that pushes the envelope as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this show pushed the envelope more than really any other network show of its time 
did. And then, you know, we have shows nowadays, you know, The Simpsons, Family Guy and such that have taken it places that, you know, even Married with Children, of course, didn't go. Some of that has to do with the fact that they're cartoons so they can do and show things, you know, that a, a live action real people can't show, I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. I guess Married with Children was the first this style show to really, really push the envelope on things like that. I, I think you're right, yes. Yeah, I remember being very shocked hearing it for the first time. So we get introduced to Burn Beyond Recognition, and Bud provides us with a description of what happens. Now, uh, what I what I love about this uh, setup here is that there's a, a payoff at the end. <laughs> What's so special about this band? Well, the lead singer's been known to vomit and urinate on the audience. <laughs> uh, pee per view. <laughs> yeah, and if you smile up at Dung, the lead guitarist, he'll headbutt you right in your teeth. <laughs> There's nothing like the thrill of someone taking a running start and diving onto you face first. (laughs) (laughs) So now we cut to Kelly, who is standing online. Hey, no cutting ahead. I've been here for three days. Oh, I'm sorry. Say, you are one beautiful girl. Right. And the check is in my mouth. I know the guys backstage would love to meet you. You have backstage passes? You have to get me back there. No problem. Just trade places in line with me, and they're yours. Well, okay. (laughs) Oh, boy, Bud's going to be so proud of me. Where's your place in line? You know where the end of the line is? (laughs) Pass that. Now, I just want to do a slight callback. You remember when Kelly... And Bud was supposed to go see Jimmy Dick and the Nightsticks. I remember mm-hmm. uh, she, she was supposed to get tickets for both of them. And then she got herself a backstage pass. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, I feel like Kelly could have been a little smarter here. I mean, you know, again, I mean, her character is very different in season two. But uh, this was, um, I guess, a little out of character. I don't know. You guys uh, think about anything about that? Well, I'm, in my notes, I have particularly airheaded Kelly this episode. This is about as dumb as Kelly gets, I believe. <laughs> so that's this whole episode. This is not her high point. Well, I, I, as I always say with, with any of these characters is why in the world do they trust each other? Because they all know that all of them have moments of extreme dumbness and they, they have moments of brilliance, too. But they all also sell each other out and stuff, too. I mean, like, you know, like the season five episode where Marcy marries Jefferson. You know, Marcy gives Al her, what was it, $2,000, I think, to plan the wedding. And I asked myself, why in the world would Marcy trust Al? Al is right. our arch enemy, and she gives him $2,000 right. to plan her wedding? You her know, savings. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And here you have uh, Kelly's a moron. Why would Bud trust her to hold the spot in line? <laughs> now, on the, <laughs> on the flip side, though, you know, I... I call her a moron, but Bud's not any better because here in just a moment we're going to see Bud's weakness and they lose their spot in line too. So why would she trust him? You know, you know what I mean? Like, why do any of these characters ever trust each other? It, it cracks me up because it's funny, but if you're thinking about it from a practicality standpoint, you have to ask why do they why do they keep trusting each other? <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally right. I said, well, we we need some comedic setup, right? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it made if it made sense, it probably wouldn't have been as funny. Now, Al has an interesting line. I mean, he talks about pee per view 
uh, when they finish describing uh, Burn Beyond Recognition. So uh, the one comment I'm going to make on that was, you know, pay-per-view had really come into its prime during that time. You know, early 90s, it was a very popular way of watching boxing fights and concerts during that time period. Carolyn, I think you might remember it a little bit more than uh, Chris, but do you remember that time period? I do, yes, because uh, cable existed, but it wasn't something that everyone had. Events like that, they hadn't quite, the internet was not quite there to sell these things. You, you, could, you, could, not, you could not buy any streams or anything like that, not yet. So a pay-per-view would be special events. So we usually advertise it with posters. And sometimes it was fights, and sometimes it was, occasionally it was concerts, like the Street Tenors, I think, started off with a pay-per-view. I have a note here from Annabelle. Kelly says, right, and the check is in my mouth. So <laughs> it's a combination of the check is in the mail and I won't blank in your mouth. So you can u- use your, uh, <laughs> use your yeah. uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Imagination. There we go. Use your imagination on that one. <laughs> I'm surprised they, they actually got through the censors at the time. Oh, yes. Yes. Another thing I like about the scene is that at no point does Kelly actually look at the tickets, the so-called tickets. I mean, Bud notices before her that they're laundry tickets. But <laughs> she, 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 doesn't, she, doesn't even, she takes them from the guy's hand, doesn't look at them, you know, goes back like uh, 800 feet or whatever. So that's Kelly for you. <laughs> so the kids now put their trust into Peggy when it comes to food. Hello, losers. <laughs> Me and my sister are way, way, way... What the hell are you doing back there? I got us backstage passes. All I had to do was trade places with some guy. Kelly, these are bus transfers. Hey, not only can we get backstage, we have a way to the concert. You can't be this dumb. I can be anything I want to be. It's the 90s. Never mind. I wish Mom would hurry up and get here with the food. I'm starving. But there's no way I'm leaving this line again. She's probably pulling into the parking lot right now. We can depend on Mom. She's like, she's probably pulling into the parking lot right now. You can depend on Mom. And now we cut to Peggy and Marcy on the couch. And Katie Seagal is hiding her pregnancy. So there's bags of chips and boxes of sugar whoopies (laughs) and the phone sort of around her. So she's in another sugar coma like she was in season three, episode 12, My Mom, the Mom. Peggy! Peggy! (laughs) Turn on the radio. It's the Rick D Show. He is in rare form today. What's he doing? Performing a public service, humiliating and destroying men on the air. Hi, I'm Rick Dees, and welcome to Berate Your Mate. Today, ladies, we're going to have fun by making your husband sing the world's most insipid love song. And, of course, that insipid love song is... Wind Beneath My Wings. Wind Beneath My Wings. <laughs> Too bad it's not Wind Beneath My Pants. Al would be a shoe <laughs> Now, if you can get your husband to sing Wind Beneath My Wings on the air without telling him it's a contest... Now, what kind of woman would do that to her husband? You'll win a $200 gift certificate to Victoria's Secret. So, Rick Dees is an entertainer, radio personality, comedian, actor, and voice artist, best known for his internationally syndicated radio show, The Rick Dees Weekly Top 40 Countdown, and for the 1976 novelty song, Disco Duck. All of a sudden, I begin to 
In 2007, he sang the theme song for the TV show Rick and Steve, and he wrote two songs that appear in Saturday Night Fever, plus the title song for the film Meatballs. So Rick Dees had Katie Segal co-host his radio show very soon after this episode aired, when she was promoting her album Well, and they mentioned this episode a lot. But before this episode aired, Rick Dee hosted a Breakfast with the Bundys thing on the Bundy set with the entire cast on March 12, 1994, when Columbia Pictures TV feeds a few thousand Married with Children fans to promote an upcoming Married with Children comic book and cookbook, Pig Out with Peg. Oh, thanks, Annabelle, for that. Very interesting. So I don't know. Are you guys familiar with the song Disco Duck? Uh, Sadly, yes. It was pretty inescapable when I was a kid. Yes. (laughs) I think it was rated one of the worst songs of all time, right? It is. It, it, was, it was like the opposite of the chipmunks. The chipmunks were supposed to be high and cute. Disco Duck was like slow down and uh, weird. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I, ha- I have that cookbook, and the recipe is very good. So Rick Dees has a long, long honored history with uh, MWC. <laughs> yeah, you know, and if you remember in season five, episode 17, Oldies But Youngins, the, the DJ was named Rick Cool. So I, I wonder if, like, he was uh, Rick, you know, Rick Cool was modeled on Rick Dees at the time. Maybe they couldn't say his name, but it just sounded uh, close enough. Remember, yeah. he's Rick Cool for the middle age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're onto something there, man. I think you're onto something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I said, uh, you know, what we've joked about, Carolyn, is that, you know, if the stars of the show or you know michael moy actually listened to the podcast he's probably shaking his head you know at how much we've deconstruct we try to deconstruct these episodes exactly yes <laughs> yeah we do it all in, in in fun like i said you know i use this word we do it all tongue-in-cheek but you know it gives us something to talk about for a podcast exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so rick Dees talks about the most insipid love song wind beneath my wings It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Did you ever know that you're my hero? And everything I would like to be. I can fly. So the song Wind Beneath My Wings is a song written in 1982 by Jeff Silbar and Larry Henley. 
The highest charting version of the song to date was recorded in 1998 by singer and actress Bette Midler for the soundtrack to the film Beaches. This version was released as a single in early 1989, spent one week at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles chart in June 1989, and won Grammy Awards for both Record of the Year and Song of the Year in February 1990. On October 24, 1991, Midler's single was also certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America for shipment of one million copies in the U.S. In 2004, Midler's version finished at number 44, in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs survey of top tunes in American cinema. And in 2002, the UK poll, Wind Beneath My Wings, was found to be the most played song at British funerals. (laughs) (laughs) A little tidbit is Katie Seagal sang backup for Bette Midler, but that was before the Beaches era. Luigi, you said 1998 instead of 1988 in there, just so you know. Oh, thank you. Again, that was one of those songs that was totally inescapable back then. It was everywhere. It was uh, it was put into music. You heard it in elevators. So exactly the kind of thing that even Al Bundy would know it. Yeah, you know, if Married with Children had lasted a few more seasons, they probably would have spoofed uh, Celine Dion from the Titanic movie because I felt like, you know, <laughs> yes. when that when that <laughs> when that song was played, this was uh, summer of 1998, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you could escape it on any radio station, whether they were playing like top. Uh, <laughs> Uh, top 40 or oldies or whatever. It's like, it was everywhere. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so Peg calls Al, who is uh, working now with Dexter. Yep. Al, it's me. <laughs> Honey, you know what I'd like right now? A chocolate couch. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But right now, I want you to sing to me. Come on, Peg, I'm working here. Hook it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Now, I'm feeling a little lonely, and nothing would cheer me up more than hearing you sing Wind Beneath My Wings. Just a second here, Peg. God, get this. Dexter, get the tranquilizer gun. I'm afraid we're going to have to tag and release this one. I really want to hear Wind Beneath My Wings. Well, then jump off the roof, Peg. <laughs> oh, you're hurting my baby toe. Man, it ain't a damn thing on your body that's baby. Just look at Chime McBride. I mean, I love the facial expressions he has. It has like a vice on uh, that woman's foot. I mean, they're struggling to get the shoe on. I mean, that is like just comedic gold right there. I have to say, I think the physical comedy teamwork between Ed Chai and Kelly Goodman, who plays Barbara, impeccable. Absolutely. And I don't remember, was that also in the Crimes Against Obesity episode? I think it is, actually. Al says, Dexter, get the tranquilizer gun. I'm afraid we're going to have to tag and release this one. Love yeah. that. Love that. <laughs> one of my favorite fat woman insults, yes. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny about this, just this whole setup of Peg trying to compete in this radio contest is I actually competed. My, my local radio station I listen to religiously, and anytime I'm off, I'm listening because they always have contests, you know, winning money, winning this, winning that. Right now, mm-hmm. they're doing this thing where you have to text them four times a day to try to win a laptop. <laughs> and, it's, it's, and it's just a dumb, silly little thing, you know. But 
I, I enter it every day to try to win that laptop. <laughs> and people do that. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't take much to get people to compete for something, you know? Well, well, well Chris, the New York Lottery's um, motto is you never know. So you see that all over the place in the uh, 7-Elevens and the gas station stuff. You know, hey, you never know. So, yeah, you, ne- you never know. You do never know. <laughs> yep. somebody, so they, somebody, they, they should thing. Yeah, somebody has to win it. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> One of my favorite lines here is like, you know, so she says, oh, you're hurting my baby toe. Ma'am, there ain't a damn thing on your body that's baby. <laughs> and the expression that, he gives, gives with that line is absolutely perfect, too. That, that might have been the best laugh of the whole episode. That was comedy gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's keeping mom. Why don't you go look for her? I'll leave you here alone so I can come back and hear you say, uh, duh, bud, I traded our place in life for these magic beans. <laughs> no, you go look for her. I'm going to stay here and guard our place. Fine. Backstage passes. She'd fall for anything. Hi there, cutie. Can I cut in line? Absolutely. <laughs> Would you mind if a few of my friends joined us? Are they as good looking as you? I think so. Let the games begin. <laughs> he said okay. So Bud says uh, to Kelly, he's like, oh, what are you going to tell me next? That I traded our place in line for these magic beans? <laughs> So that's uh, a reference to uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> and I absolutely love the look that Bud gives Kelly after she actually checks his hand to see if there's any magic beans. Yep. Incredible. And that sums up, up the whole relationship. Yep. So now Bud's in line and we meet a very, very famous actress and singer <laughs> who makes a guest appearance on Married with Children. Fergie. So Fergie, born Stacey Ann Ferguson, is a singer, songwriter, rapper, and actress. She originally achieved chart success as part of the hip-hop group The Black Eyed Peas. Her debut solo album, The Duchess, saw commercial success and spawned three Billboard Hot 100 number one singles, London Bridge, Glamorous, and Big Girls Don't Cry. Fergie was originally a member of the children's television series Kids Incorporated and the girl group Wild Orchard. Uh, I love this scene because it's so... Um, it, I, in a way, it sort of sums up Fer- Fergie or not. How all how dumb I guess you could say all men are, <laughs> because we because we I, I don't think there's a man on earth who hasn't at some point in his life done something dumb like this, given up his his spot in line because some pretty girl asked him to. <laughs> you know what I mean? And of course, exactly. He gets, he, of course, he gets kicked to the curb, and ten huge guys push him out of the way or whatever. But unfortunately that's just how us men are man <laughs> all takes, unfortunately all it takes is a pretty girl to bat her eyes at us and that's what we do i mean luigi am i right or am i right i mean come on <laughs> well al has his very famous speech on hood and the boys yep hey ray ray you ski he's like no he's like you will if a girl wants you to <laughs> yep the character of al bundy says what everyone's thinking in their head but they can't say out loud yep yep <laughs> And yes. this scene, you, you know, yes. you know what this, you know what this scene reminds me of is, I believe it's the season six episode, Mystery of Skull Island, where Bud jumps out of the plane, 
I mean, how mm-hmm. many times? How many times in that episode did he literally almost kill himself just because that girl that he has no shot at wants him to? You know, he goes down the river that the the Indian Native Americans call "kiss your white ass goodbye" or whatever it is, <laughs> and then he and then he jumps out of the airplane. He has he does all this stuff for a girl who he has no prayer getting anything from <laughs> just yes. because just because a pretty girl asks him to <laughs> you know what i mean exactly exactly and i i, th- I think the same thing with uh, kelly's hot guy at the, towards the beginning of the episode too and by the way both of them are dressed like an impeccable mid-90s hotness wear yep the flannel shirts the jeans everything the the wardrobe in this episode is on point it is uh, it is really la so the people are maybe a little too pretty for you know chicago normal a bunch of chicago normal kids but uh yeah but the, the fashion is dead on very very yeah. well done by the way for by the way fergie looks incredible here right? i can't believe she does I, yes you can't believe i didn't point that out in my original thing i said there but she looks uh amazing <laughs> yeah i mean also like you know very young remember what she looked like you know 10 years later <laughs> but i mean she, i mean because i'd say she was probably of high school age at that point in time She was born in 75, so that would have made her 20 and 95. So she was 19 when she appeared on that episode. Uh, Okay. You scared me for a second. For a second, I was like, well, I got to be careful the way I say it. Compliment her. You scared me for a second there, Luigi. Over 18. She was 19, so I'm good. She looked good. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, twenty seconds on screen, I thought she was very charismatic. And uh, and did you notice that? You notice the uh, the first guy just gave her a lot of cash as she uh, left the line. So it was all all, all set up. Yeah, yep. perfect. So uh, Peg calls back and asks Al to sing again. Please, Al. Yeah, I know you, Peg. If I start singing, you'll get as horny as the cape of the same name. <laughs> well, sing to me. Oh, all right. Sing first. Gotta go, Peg! (laughs) Dexter, are you all right? I think I'm done for. (laughs) Just shoot me. (laughs) And tell Laura I love her. I'll get help. Just try to find an air pocket in there someplace. (laughs) So Al says, if I start singing, you'll get as horny as the cape of the same name. So Al is referring to Cape Horn, which is the southernmost headland of the Terra del Fuego archipelago of southern Chile and is located on the small Hornos Island. Although not the most southerly point of South America, which are the Diego Ramirez Islands, Cape Horn marks the northern boundary of the Drake Passage and marks where the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans meet. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before in season eight. Don't say that, that you didn't learn anything on a podcast, especially the Married <laughs> with Children podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so now we get this iconic scene with Dexter. Help, she's fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Chris, if you remember these commercials, but Carolyn, I'm sure you remember these commercials Absolutely. since they were very Absolutely. prominent in the New York area. They were, they were, I, they were, they were, it was one of the first like uh, let's scare you to death commercials. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% remember them. We, we even even like in elementary school, uh, 
age, we used to laugh at them. I mean, they they were not meant to be funny. It's obviously a very serious situation, you know. And my, uh, I have an elderly aunt who has one of those life alert things uh, that you know you press the button and it calls a dispatcher to call an ambulance or a firefighter, firefighter, or whatever. Obviously, it's a serious situation, but it became comical. And I mean, even like in you know middle school and junior high and such, we were we would laugh at those commercials because they just yeah. <laughs> it just unfortunately it was a, it was a serious situation, but unfortunately it turned out to be really funny and comical. <laughs> I use this remote control to contact Life Call, my twenty four hour emergency medical response service. Watch, you just press this button and speak into the air, and I'm having chest pain. I'm calling paramedics and your family, Mr. Miller. I've fallen, and I can't get up. We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. The line was spoken in a television commercial for a medical alarm and protection company called Life Call, and ads that began running in 1987. The motivation behind these medical alarm systems is that many senior citizens today live at home alone and may find themselves suddenly in medical danger with no one nearby to help them. So the product was supposed to address those concerned, and it featured a elderly lady named Mrs. Fletcher who has fallen with her walker in the bathroom. This thing was so overplayed that <laughs> it ended up becoming this punchline. And if you watched TV shows, I mean, if you watch TV during this time period, again, from the late 80s, early 90s, especially during the day, it was inevitable that you would see this Life Call commercial a few times, you know, over the course of a few hours. So it ended up becoming this punchline on uh, cable and daytime television. Uh, so Married with Children just, uh, you know, jumped on the bandwagon with it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I do have to say, though, they were pretty good at dialing into these uh, trends and such. I don't know if there was much lag time between um, filming and air and, and writing and filming, but they, they, could, they could be pretty cutting edge for a network show yeah you know and they did a good job of uh i i know alex uh, edwards pointed out at least on a handful of occasions where the episode may have been taped a month earlier or two months earlier or whatever but they'll add jokes on the spot uh you remember the joke you remember when uh, mike tyson was knocked out by buster douglas they added that that line in uh i forget the the cologne i think it was that bud was wearing and uh, Bud goes, I call it the Buster Douglas special, one shot and you're knocked out or, or whatever his line was. <laughs> so a lot point is, is a lot of times they'll add jokes in day of if something big has happened, you know? Wow. They're like South Park was later. Yeah. <laughs> so Dexter says, I think I'm done for. Just shoot me and tell Laura I love her. <laughs> so thanks to Annabelle on this. This is actually a reference. Tell Laura I Love Her is a teenage tragedy song written by Jeff Barry and Ben Raleigh. Oh. It was a to U.S. top 10 popular music hit for the singer Ray Peterson in 1960, reaching number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Later that same year, the song was recorded and released by Ricky Valance in the U.K., where it went all the way to number one on the U.K. singles chart. <laughs> wow. That's great. Tell Laura I love her. Something to do that 
this episode really is chock full of references. One thing I also say, Carolyn and Chris, to both your points, uh, one thing I'll notice from a trend perspective, season eight was, was, I think, the season where they really tried to tap into pop culture, more so than anything before. If you look at early seasons, everything was sort of like the dialogue was really what was going on in the house. And there were obviously pop culture references, but I feel like... Uh, as they transitioned from season seven to se- to season eight, you know, again, season seven was mostly in the Bundy household. Season eight, they started venturing out into the shoe store. But now it's like when you really look at the arc of the episodes of season eight, it's like there's a lot more cultural references. And this continues uh, through the end of the run. Oh. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely. That, that, make, that makes sense. Yes, it became much more... Maybe as the show became more popular, it said, you know, well, if, if we're going to be hip, we got to be hip. Rick Dees gives Peg another proposition. Now, now, Mrs. Bundy, don't give up on him. I'm going to give you a second chance to win. How'd you like dinner for two at the best restaurant in town? It's tacos and liquor? <laughs> no, we're going to send you to a place with a roof and tables, Umberto's. Umberto's? Oh, it's great. Okay, Rick, what do I have to do? What is it now, Peg? Al, this is very, very important. You know my boobs? Yeah, they're standing in line for concert tickets. Not those boobs. My chest. I need you to say over the phone that cute little nickname that you have for them. What is it, Peg? You're one week to a dead husband kid come in. I'm trying to work here. Clear? Oh, come on, Al. You know what you call them. Just say it. Peg, do you think Mrs. Iacocca calls Lee and says, Lee, before you go back into the boardroom, what's that cute little nickname you have for my ass? Now look, Al, you just don't understand. This is extreme. Clear? Hang in there, Dexter. In the background, poor Dexter. They're trying to revive him. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that Dexter and the paramedics had their own little like drama going on back there, totally independent. It was just great. <laughs> now, you know, I have a question. The black paramedic who's on the right, he sort of looks like the guy who was the photomac clerk in the Married with Aliens episode that Al beats up. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? I don't know. I mean, he's not credited, but maybe someone on the Facebook page will uh, comment on that. But it does look like him. So I just thought that was funny. I mean, I loved uh, the part that he played (laughs) in that Married with Aliens episode. (laughs) Yeah. He said, do you know anything about film? And and Al said no. And he said, well, neither do we. And then Al, I think, assaulted him afterwards, didn't he? (laughs) Beat him up or something. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Good callback, yeah. So Hal says, Peg, do you think Mrs. Iacocca calls Lee and says, Lee, before you go back into the boardroom, what's that cute little nickname you have for my ass? (laughs) (laughs) For you youngsters out there, Al is referring to Lee Iacocca, 
who was an American automobile executive best known for the development of the Ford Mustang and Pinto cars while at Ford Motor Companies in the 60s and for reviving Chrysler Corporation as its CEO during the 1980s. He was president and CEO of Chrysler from 1978 and chairman from 1979 until his retirement at the end of 1992. He was one of the only executives to preside over the operations of two of the big three automakers. And he's an author of many books. And he also spearheaded the campaign to restore the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, if I'm not mistaken. Again, also in the 1980s. Yes, I remember that. He was involved in that. And he was always uh, thought of very fondly in New York because of that. So now we get to the crux of the episode. Okay, Mrs. Bundy, I'm going to give you one last chance. You'll win a trip to Tahiti and $10,000 in cash if you can get your husband to come home. I can do that. I mean, in the next 60 minutes. I can do that. For a nooner. Do you have any consolation prizes? <laughs> and I love as soon, as soon as Marcy hears that, she winces and slumps a bit. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Do you have anything sexy? <laughs> no, do you? <laughs> ah, it's a good job. <laughs> Yellow. It's for you. Guess who this is? My brain on drugs. Al, it's me. I want you to come home for a nooner. A nooner? Yeah. Well, sure, what time? Now! I'll be right there! Peg calls Al and says, guess who this is? And he says, my brain on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this joke was used before. If you remember when uh, Al goes back to the high school to uh, pull Kai and he's supposed to give the speech to introduce like the MVP. Mm-hmm. This is the Heather McCoy episode. Mm-hmm. Remember like, this is your brain. This is your brain on marriage. Yep. <laughs> so I just thought it's idea. funny. All right, it's just another a reference to the uh, Just Say No campaign from Nancy Reagan. Mm-hmm. This is the height of that, too. All the schools and such, you would hear anti-drug slogans everywhere. Yeah, we called it, uh, we, we had a whole week uh, about it. And when I was in elementary school, it's called Red Ribbon Week. The last day of the week was called Just Say No Day. Like we would have a, <laughs> uh, like a put a cap on drugs day where you'd have to wear a, a hat. And then the next Tuesday would be, like block out drugs, everybody would wear sunglasses, and then I forget, I forget what Wednesday and Thursday was, but the final day of it was just say no. But like it was an entire week themed about drugs. Uh, it was called Red Ribbon Week. <laughs> wow. You know, I thought it was very poignant. Uh, interestingly, last summer, I took my kids to where I had my first summer job. I worked at my uncle's butcher shop <laughs> when I was seven years old, literally. And around the corner from it is actually the birthplace of Nancy Reagan. Like, there's no plaque there, but it wow. is like locally. So she was born in Flushing, Queens. Lived there, I think, till she was like two and then moved out west. Interestingly, 
the spokesperson for the Just Say No campaign was Mr. T huh. back in the 1980s. That's and right. He was at her funeral, and she died a few years ago. At her funeral, he was one of the guests, and you know, he spoke about, you know, it was one of the honors of his life to work with her on that Just Say No campaign. Huh. I think there's a famous picture of her sitting on his lap. That's right. Christmas. He's in a Santa hat and yes. she kisses mm-hmm. him on the forehead. Yep. That was the kind of unlikely things that happened in the 80s. That's right. right. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah, you're right. And you're right, Carolyn. That's something that, you know, you would see probably today. Definitely poignant. Again, Married with Children uses it for comedic effect, but cultural reference is very specific and everybody knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So Al finds out that nooner is when you have sex in the middle of the day. Dexter, mind the store. But I can't work the register. Well, do what I do. Pocket it. (laughs) I'm getting me some nooner. (laughs) Nooner? Yeah, Yeah, you know, uh, like lunch. You want me to bring you back some? (laughs) Al, nooner is when you have sex in the middle of the day. just agreed to make love to your wife. Great! Jumping horny toads! <laughs> That's funny. Well, I was a little surprised at that because he really thought Peg was going to give him lunch. Since yeah. when? Since when? Yeah. Everyone is very trusting of, of Peg as a cook this, uh, this episode. <laughs> yeah, it sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, why do these people keep trusting each other? You know what I mean? Like, but... <laughs> I thought it was funny that he didn't know what the word nooner meant, you know? Hey, hey, by the way, Luigi, what did you think about that lady that punched Al? She's sort of a peculiar customer that we don't see very often in a shoe store. Usually Skinny. the shoe store Well, I was about to say, usually shoe store customers are either like blazing hot chicks or they're like morbidly obese chicks. To me, I feel like this was a an actress that they tried to make look like nerdy or whatever with those glasses, but I still think she was a hot chick. I thought she looked great. You know what I mean? I agree with you. I, I think she was a beautiful. I think it was a beautiful woman, but I don't. I don't think that she was casted to be a hot chick. You know what I mean? Because she didn't yeah, come yeah. in. She didn't. She didn't walk in with her hooters flashing or anything. You know what I mean? And she wasn't like exactly. a Victoria. Yeah, she wasn't like a Victoria's Secret model or a Playboy playmate. But I think it was a beautiful woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, th- I thought she was lovely, and I thought she had a nice, nice right hook. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. she decked him. <laughs> Do you think it was Ed O'Neill doing that fall over the chairs? I don't know. That's a great it, question. Good yeah. question. You know, I didn't think to look. One of the things I usually do when, when it's the actors doing any type of stunt is I usually watch it slow to see if it's a stunt person or the actual actor. I didn't think to look that time. I think I was too mm-hmm. busy looking at the. I was too busy looking at the chick. I was like, man, she's pretty. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, folks, Dexter pulled through. This is probably the first episode where it's like, look at all the action that's going on in the shoe store. It's like a boxing ring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like from like yeah. for them trying to get like the shoe on the woman. Like Al gets decked out. You know, I mean, there's the comedic effect that the line for burn beyond recognition is sneaked into the shoe store itself. <laughs> Does a shoe store have a back door? You would think, right? I guess, yeah, but I don't know how much they care about fire codes in that place. <laughs> so now the box office for Burn Beyond Recognition is open, and everybody cuts the line. Look, if we can manage to stay right here, we're still going to get our tickets. 
The box office for Burn Beyond Recognition is now open. Remember, no line cutting allowed. So we cut back to the shoe store. I'm starving. It's obvious mom's not going to bring us any food. I can't leave you here. You give away our place to anything in a skirt. Hey, well, I'm not leaving you here. You'll give your skirt away to anyone in the place. Well, who are we going to get to stand in line for us? Hey, Dad, you're not doing anything. I'm selling shoes. Yeah, and we're writing a screenplay. What's it about? Come on, Dad. Please. Oh, all right. I'm not really selling shoes. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, you want anything? Yeah, I'd like an egg sub. Hey, are they selling Wayne Newton tickets, too? Well, at least Wayne never had to pee on his audience to gain their respect. Well, I don't know. Maybe he did. I can't explain his popularity. The guy has the great line. He's like, hey, are they selling Wayne Newton tickets too? <laughs> <laughs> and I think the comeback was great. It's like, well, at least Wayne never had to pee on his audience to gain their respect. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Maybe he did. <laughs> it happens in Vegas, right? <laughs> That's right. So Wayne Newton is an American singer and entertainer. One of the best-known entertainers in Las Vegas. He, and he is known by the nicknames of the Midnight Isle, Mr. Las Vegas, and Mr. Entertainment. His well-known song include 1972's Daddy's Don't You Walk So Fast, Years from 1980, and his vocal version of Red Roses for a Blue Lady from 1965. His signature song is Donka Shane from 1963, which was notably used in the score for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. One of my favorite movies, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love that movie. Oh, it's terrific. One of the best Chicago movies, too. It's really show, it really shows Chicago. Absolutely. Great movie. So Jefferson walks in and explains the dilemma to Al. Al? Al, what are you doing here? Paying the price for having kids. <laughs> no, you should be home having sex with your wife. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I heard Peggy on the radio. If you get home before 1 o'clock for a nooner, you win $10,000 and a trip to Tahiti. $10,000 and a trip to Tahiti just for having sex with Peg? Yeah. Well, this is a toughie. Yeah, well, it could be worse. Look at the mountain I gotta climb 12 times a year. <laughs> so Dexter comes over with a photograph and says, look at the mountain. I got to climb 12 times a year. <laughs> now, you know, th this is a callback, Carolyn. You know, that picture reminds me of when Al shows Steve a picture of his mother-in-law in the razor's edge. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that was one of your favorites, Carolyn, razor's edge. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Yes, and uh, what I like is how MWC always knew that What's in your imagination is worse than anything they could actually show, like Peg's mother. Mm. Right. So. <laughs> and and La Laura is in our imaginations forever. <laughs> That's right. One thing I pointed out, Carolyn, if you've heard this before, 
Peg's mother is actually depicted in the comic book series. So we do see a rendition of Peg's mother at least twice in the comic book series. So uh, everyone should check that out if you haven't. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll take a look. What's going on? Our place. Look, we'll sneak in right behind this guy. (laughs) Hey, Lemonhead. You just cut right in front of me. Oh, yeah? You got something to say? Say it to him. You say it to me? I didn't do it. <laughs> so, so that is Pete Steinfeld and his brother Andy have appeared in a bunch of Married with Children episodes. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, very, he's very funny. And I, li- I like, uh, I don't think I've heard Lemonhead as an insult to a blonde. In my life, in my life outside of this show. So, <laughs> so now Peg and Marcy try to trick Rick Dees. Well, Mrs. Bundy, you've got less than a minute left. Uh, listen, Mr. Dees, Al's home. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> I may be insipid and smell like rotting flesh, but I'm home for sex. Burp. Let's bump uglies. Oh, Al. Oh, Peg. All right. Look, this is an Oprah, ladies. I'm sorry, your time is up. But for playing along, you'll get a consolation prize. This is Rick Dees. So, <laughs> I may be insipid and smell of rotting flesh, but I'm home for sex. Burr. <laughs> Mar- Marcy could have done better than that. <laughs> yeah, I love how Rick says, look, this is an Oprah, ladies. <laughs> yeah. I thought her impression was very funny, but not good. As far as like, would it actually fool someone? It's it's funny to watch, but is anybody going to believe that's actually Al? No. <laughs> I don't think Marcy can think on her feet as well as she thinks she can. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I'd be disappointed in myself if I didn't point out Bud getting thrown around there. We get to see his dummy again. I always, I love the dummy episodes. <laughs> Anytime they bring the dummy <laughs> down, it's always funny because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's a great dummy. And, and Chris, did you notice that David Faustino arranged himself as, as close as he could to the dummy yep. Yep, in the live shot? I love that. that. That guy is flexible. Yep. We have to remember all these these folks like look like schlobs, but they're all in pretty good shape in real life to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Days on end. Yeah. <laughs> so Al rushes into the house and wants to know whether they've won or not. Did we win? Did we win? I had to stop out at the drugstore and get some get some marital aids. I got breath mints for you and wild turkey for me. <laughs> Are we too late? Well, actually... Oh, actually, no, we're not. (laughs) We still have three minutes left. We could do it six times. (laughs) Great! Great, Peg, you go upstairs, I'll put the chicken out. So I'll tell you, that scene of Al, like, running up the stairs, downing that bottle of wild turkey is hysterical. 
<laughs> yep. So Wild Turkey is a brand of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey distilled and bottled by the Wild Turkey Distilling Company, located in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. So it offers tours and is part of the American Whiskey Trail and the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. So, you know, one of my like little inside married children jokes is that anytime like I've gone to Europe and like, let's say I have to go visit someone, bring a gift. Usually it's like in the old days, it would be like cigarettes and liquor. <laughs> I don't smoke and I don't encourage people to smoke. So, you know, I've told my family don't send any more cigarettes. But when we do go to Europe, they're interested in American liquor that's not available in Europe. So I always bring wild turkey and I get my oh. idea from here. <laughs> If you go to the YouTube page, you can check out my review of Tang, where I make a, a new drink called the Bundy Screwdriver, which is a mix of Tang and Wild Turkey. Uh, so uh, if you haven't checked out the uh, YouTube channel, uh, go uh, go check it out there. <laughs> Luigi, I'll check it out. As soon as I put the chicken out, I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, shoot, shoot. <laughs> So the kids show up, and they didn't get any tickets. I can't believe it. The guy ahead of us gets the last ticket, and what do I get? I spend three days of my life with you. <laughs> three days? Oh, sure, it might be fun for the Navy, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, like you had anything better to do than dunk your girlfriend in water to see where the leak was. <laughs> Hey, at least she has an excuse for having air in her head. <laughs> that is, if I had a rubber girlfriend. <laughs> which, uh, which I don't. <laughs> not, not anymore. I just know if we had gotten in, Dung would have bashed in my teeth. This is all Dad's fault. I'm not gonna let him get away with it. I say, we stay home tonight, we make his life miserable. So they have a great line. At least she has an excuse for having hair in her head. That is if I had a rubber girlfriend, which I don't. <laughs> and I love the way Kelly looks at him, because he's like, I don't. And she looks at him like, you and me both know that you do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you catch somebody and there's no way out, she looks at it like, we both know you have one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I mean, uh, Bud gives Kelly a, you know, a, a promiscuity dig and she digs right back. She hits right back. Yep. I think their chemistry was perfect tonight. Yep. So now Al and Peg come down. Where are you guys going? To the Burn Beyond Recognition concert. Oh. It was our consolation prize from the Rick Dees show. Oh. Wait a minute. That's the reason that we don't have those tickets. We should have them. Are you kidding? You don't know what I had to go through to get those tickets. <laughs> you don't know where I've been. <laughs> and believe me, it, it wasn't Tahiti. You guys don't even like BBR. Well, I don't like S-E-X with M-O-M -M either. <laughs> But it's my J-O-B. <laughs> Let's go, Peg. Oh, Al, I'm so excited. Yeah. Front row seats. <laughs> yeah, just remember to smile big at the band. Show them your teeth. <laughs> Gee, honey, you think they'll really notice? Oh, I, I hope so, Peg. 
I mean, and the the way that Al is dressed, I mean, is like, it's like you're wondering where they're going with it. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) He goes, well, it's like, you know, we should have the tickets. You guys don't even like BBR. Well, I don't like S-E-X with M-O-M either, but it's my J-O-B. <laughs> Al looks like he's about 15 years old there, doesn't he? As far as the way he's dressed. Well, he's been through a lot. You know? Yeah, that's true. You know. You remember when he's watching the the rap channel? There's the episode where he's watching the rap channel. He's like, he's like yo. It's like, you know, rap channel? He's like, can I watch like you know, Gangster Booty? <laughs> And, and even though it seems to be summer, because everyone in line has been in um, short sleeves mostly and sundresses and stuff, um, Peg is in the full hide the baby coat or leopard coat. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good point. It didn't dawn on me that that's what they were doing, because I remember thinking, I was like, you know, Al looks like he's going to a concert, but Peggy really doesn't. Like, it's she, she's almost, I don't know, the, her outfit doesn't really fit Al's outfit, but I, I totally forgot that Katie Seagal is hiding her pregnancy here. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they had they had to do what they had to do, you know. Mm-hmm. What I love is the payoff at <laughs> yes. the end here. And Al says to her, just remember to smile big at the <laughs> yes, band and show them your right. teeth. <laughs> it's like, oh, you think they'll notice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought that was great because sometimes it's like a joke is thrown out and, you know, and you're waiting for the payoff or the payoff happens very quickly. So like this is one of those episodes where if you listen to the episode at the beginning, like you, all the way at the end, there's finally the payoff that really like rounds it out. But I mean, this was like spectacular. Luigi, you know what John Cleese said once? He said, my favorite kind of joke is the one that pays off 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's right. But it also shows that, you know, the yes. audience is paying attention. Mm-hmm. If you think about like watching this in its first run, you don't have like sort of like YouTube and all that. Now, if you had a VCR and you recorded it, it's one thing for you to go back and start watching it. But, you know, watching a show in its first run and maybe not necessarily seeing it for like three or four months, you know, because at that time in its first run, you would see the episodes again in summer reruns. Mm-hmm. For something that's well written to be able to catch it on the first airing, that's really like a mark of, I'd say, like, you know, great writing and great acting. So uh, I really appreciated that. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show to subscribe to their YouTube channel. Just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Chris, how many days do you want to stand in line for tickets to the Burn Beyond Recognition concert in support of this episode. Well, you know what? I really like this episode. I think it's very good. It's written well. It's acted well. We get to see a lot of action inside the shoe store. I thought the idea was was really good. You know, have an episode uh, centered around Al having to come home and have sex with Peg during the middle of the day. I really liked the introduction of Dexter. I thought the actor, I thought his delivery was a1 it was on point i'm gonna give this one four out of five it's a shame I'll, I'll wrap it up by saying it's a shame that we didn't get to see dexter again you know he was a one-hit wonder like you said 
but I did think he was very good, and I'm going to give the episode overall a four out of five. Okay, very good. So, Carolyn, how many days are you going to stand in line to get tickets to the Burn Beyond Recognition concert in support of this episode? Well, I do have to say, I think the New Market Mall was looking a little upscale. So as long as I don't have to stand there, I wouldn't mind standing there for a while. Love Dexter. Love the uh, love how Jerry Cohen arranged everything. So you could always follow what was going on. And this huge line of strangers. You could always follow it. You could always follow with, with Peggy, what Peggy and Marcy were doing. You can understand the time, the time constraints, how they went back and forth. Uh, Rick, Rick Dees was uh, very funny. Very good voice acting there. However, because of uh, the clumsiness of some of what Marcy did and the whole paramedic thing, I didn't really, wasn't really crazy about it. I thought it was too over the top. I would stand in line for four days for this, four out of five days for this one. Very good. I am going to stand in line for the Burn Beyond Recognition concert in support of this episode for five days. Wow. Ah. This is uh, one of those episodes that really tickles my funny bone. Traditionally, I'll say the later episodes I was never really a, as much a big fan of as I was of the early seasons of the Steve years for many reasons. But, you know, the writer on this one, Nancy Newfeld, I think she knocked it out of the park. Yes. This is, it's hysterical from start to finish. I really feel like I, you know, I should start my own Facebook page where I love, you know, just say it's the I love Dexter. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Facebook page because I just think that Chai McBride was fantastic. I really think that he was a missed opportunity for comedic relief because I don't think anyone that we've ever seen on Married with Children delivered the type of comedy. And I really don't think Chai McBride, at least from his like IMDb stuff, it's like he's not really, he doesn't come across as a comedian. But I mean, if he is a comedian, I mean, like he's he's perfect. He's one of those like uh, I think Chris, you had said it like and Amanda Burst had said that um, Ed O'Neill would have made a great uh, silent film actor. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the episodes recorded. Somebody said that or I think it might have been Stephen Scott. Yeah. Chai McBride's delivery, you know, the lines that were written for him, but the way he delivered, I mean, to me, is like that just takes it over the top and. You know, the whole setup and joke in terms of like the burn beyond recognition and Peg and, and Marcy in there. I mean, it's farcical. It's funny, but it just works. And for me, Married with Children, how it delivers comedy, it just makes me forget about everything for, for that 22 minutes that you're <laughs> tuned in. Mm -hmm. This really is one of those episodes that I have to give a five. And, you know, I've been a very tough grader. Uh, the last, uh, you know, every time I think I've appeared, usually like I'm a three and a half, <laughs> maybe a four, but uh, this is over the top for me. So I give it a five. All right. That's good. That's good. I, I, can, I can see. I can see that. I can see that. It's excellent. All right. I said I was going and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot <laughs> in front of some poor guy's face. I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. <laughs> Thank you.
Ooh, man, is retirement supposed to be this cold? Well, where do we begin? I really do like the uh, opening with the two fat chicks, the mother and daughter, and with the mom's shirt. <laughs> Chocolate ain't just for breakfast anymore. The poor man's Griff comes walking in the shoe store, Dexter. And it's weird, he's the poor man's Griff, but he was before him, so that's weird. How could that be? Burn Beyond Recognition. Good name, but I still prefer Tears and Vomit, or Oozing Meat. Al making fun of our generation having to wear condoms. Was that what I was supposed to do? Jeez, I treated the 90s and 2000s like it was the 70s. <laughs> We're gonna have to tag and release this one. <laughs> Boy, if you thought these fat women were good sports before. <laughs> Woo! Wait till they have to keep on upping the uh, ante here. There ain't a damn thing on your body that's baby. <laughs> I mean, listen, this guy is, is literally like a fake griff, but he did get some good lines here. Now, these the whole storyline juggling we're doing here, it's like a day in the shoe store... Peggy with this contest of wind beneath your wings and a nooner, and Bud and Kelly standing in line. I guess it always keeps things moving. You know my boobs? <laughs> yeah, they're standing in line. <laughs> they had a good joke on a non-fat woman. I, th I think they wanted to be, like, equal opportunity insulters. They had the, the, the stick figure, basically, walk in to let her know that she's not sexy at all. And I agree with that. Why is Bud the only one wearing a Burn Beyond Recognition shirt until that whole mob, like, runs over when the Ticketmaster finally goes on sale? Then suddenly they're all decked out in them. The biker dude throws Bud, the dummy of Bud, across the shoe store. That dummy did look good, though. That was a good face they put on him. Poor Al had sex for absolutely no reason. I mean, wasn't the reason anyway, like, the Victoria's Secret $200 thing? Like, why would he care about that? He would just hit, tell her to take the lingerie off and fry it up and serve it for dinner, so. BBR is the consolation prize. I love the way Al is dressed. That is so funny how he tries to fit in with the younger kids. So what do I think of this overall? It wasn't a completely necessary episode. I do enjoy their efforts in the shoe store. I think that those were well-rounded, on-the-mark hitting jokes. I liked all those. The visuals were all good there. The cutting in line thing, pretty expected, if you know the characters. Not insanely funny. Frustrating, if anything. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess something like that had to be done at some point. It is sort of like a trope. You know, Screech, we talked about him last week. He did the same stupid stuff on Say by the Bell with getting cut in line because he's an idiot, you know? So y you have to have, like, a wait in line for a concert cut in line idiot joke you know you have to do that at some point of the show so i guess you might as well put it here peg's whole thing i didn't think it was funny the whole wind beneath my wings except for when else said, if you want to hear that then jump off the roof or something that was funny even him getting home and not being home in time and once he hears what it is he doesn't show up in time and or he just stays there it doesn't seem he's gonna go at all and then they tell him you know that they're gonna win a prize so he heads over and then he's, like, late. So the the secondary joke there is, oh, look, he's not going to win it after being told by Jefferson. Yet the joke now is that Peg's going to get sex, which she sort of is really the root of what she really wants anyway. And that's the joke. And then the tertiary joke is that 
The consolation prize is the thing that the kids have wanted all this time, and the whole crux of their episode. So, it's good writing when it comes to tying everything together. And it, like I said, I enjoyed a lot of it, but not enough to give it any kind of spectacular ratings. So let's get to three point five out of five for me. That's all, folks. Before we sign off, Carolyn, thank you so much.、Uh, we really appreciated you coming on for this episode. Thank we- you, guys. Really enjoyed hearing your story, and you know, for all of you out there in Facebook land, you know, we all have our stories, and it's great when people can join us and tell those stories. And we hope that you enjoy it because, you know, for me, like listening to Carolyn's story today, really brought back a lot of memories. For me, at least the beginning of how I watched it, because again, for all of us, it's a time capsule. Like Tyler Tigno, for example. First started watching this show just a few years ago, and he binged the entire、uh, series in one month. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, and he's a big fan, as we know. For everyone's been listening, but you know, for someone like Carolyn, who's been there, I mean, and really like lived with you know some of the greats of the of what's out there on the internet in terms of like the alt the MWC page. She knows the people who started Bundyology. Has been in contact with Annabelle for many years. It's great to hear that. So thank you so much, Carolyn. We really appreciated having you on. Oh, you're quite、yeah. welcome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.、Uh, just to add to what he said, it's always nice to meet another Married with Children super fan. But most of my friends like Married with Children, but none of them are like super crazy fans like myself. So it's always nice to talk to someone else out there. And you have a great story. I, I really enjoyed your. Story about how you received the "see you in court" tape.、Uh, you know, <laughs> roughly nine years, roughly nine years before ninety-nine point nine percent of the U.S. I mean, that's an incredible、exactly. story to tell.、Thanks. Honestly, well, well, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> that, that's the kind of thing that happened back then. We had to, we had to、uh, make our own way. We had to take care of things in a much more direct way or indirect way. And in a way, I think it brought us closer together as a group too. Yeah, I mean, one tidbit I'll tell you, Carolyn. You talked about Andreas, that Bundyology page. If I remember correctly,、uh, the whole script to "I'll See You in Court" was available on that website. Like there were screenshots and the actual script, like where it listed out, you know, all the lines. Because I remember, you know, probably around 1999 or so, like trying to、uh, get more information on that episode or at least read it. <laughs> it was probably one of the few places on the internet where you could find it. So. I know, like in case I got it wrong, you know, Annabelle will correct me at some point. <laughs> But it was it was a real thrill to be able to at least you know see it. So when I actually saw it in 2002, it's like I sort of knew what to expect. But it was nice to see the actual the live action、uh, dialogue and you know the all the animation instead of just seeing a couple of pictures and knowing what the script was going to say. So that was it was wonderful. Exactly, it would be like reading the script for this. You know, this episode we just covered. It's all the delivery, the timing, the interactions. So, if all of you had a great time、uh, listening to this podcast this week, all three of us will be back next week. So, stay tuned. So, next week, Al opposes a forced carpooling until he learns that three lingerie models are in the group, only to discover the models are full-figured. Al and his group are then chosen to promote a campaign by the health, local health board to appear in commercial advertisements to clean up overpolluted Chicago, but. When Alan and the ladies are asked to pick it outside a chemical plant where Kelly works as the Verminator spokesmodel, Al must decide whether or not to help close down the plant and make Kelly lose her job or give up his fame and fortune. Meanwhile, no one seems to care after Bud announces that he has made the dean's list at college. So thank you all, and tune in again next week. 
Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.